0: Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And we are back from our little brief unplanned hiatus. <laughs> uh, we took a break this last episode because I had a wedding and a funeral and Lollapalooza and Lindsay had work travel. So we needed we needed a... A, an episode break.
1: Yeah, needs some time to like relax and not have something on the horizon to have to deal with.
0: I mean, I've had things on the horizon to deal in with our, like every day, yeah, so well, I say that, but <laughs> it didn't quite work what I mean. that way. Yeah, it was a a, a second nice job
1: li- to worry about. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it was nice having a brief little break. Yeah,
1: but and we haven't taken a break in a long time. Um, something that we it's used to been do. like.
0: We used to do a break between for any seasons. Of, yeah. Back when we used to do seasons, we used to take like a break between seasons and then. You only we did were, it like, like
1: between season one and three, maybe four. Yeah. And then it was, we, like, it was a long
0: time ago. We have not taken a break in a long time. So yeah, that was a much been deserved, like a year. needed break.
1: Yes. Um and even when we've been late, it's always been like we still had the episode. We just were late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so, um, I'm actually forgetting how – it's been a while since we did, like, a normal – I know. Um. I feel like we
0: haven't done this in so long. I was yeah. getting set up, and I was like, wait, how do I set my computer up for
1: this? Um, yeah, we haven't done a normal, um, like, segmented episode in a while. So, like, I don't even remember if we do beer first or
0: – We do it corner first. So okay. we uh, – before we get into the topic, this episode and the next episode are going to tie together and be the same topic. Um, but since we took July, the month of July, we did the interview with Drunkards and then we took a break. So we haven't done Music Corner in a while. So Lindsay has agreed to sacrifice her binge watch update so that I can talk about music that came out in the month of June and July. So since for the first episode of the month, I'll go back all the way back to June and talk about my five favorite albums that came out in the month of June. So, um... You actually listen to a lot of these, too, Lindsay. I think so. I listened to all of these. Yeah. So uh, the first one I want to talk about was one that we've been hyping up for months. Um, it was Japanese Breakfast. It was her third album um, called Jubilee. Um, I gave this a perfect 10 out of 10. I thought this album was absolutely incredible. I love her so much. It's such a, like a different tone to her music from some of her previous albums. And she's even talked in interviews that this was her first album writing about joy rather than grief and sadness. So like it's a different tone to the sound, but yet the music itself is just so amazing.
1: Yeah, I would agree. The music is beautiful and I think it it's interesting to tie this into the book that she wrote that came out. Oh my god, um, that book made me cry so
0: hard. So the her album book came out? Um, so she released her book in April, and her book is called Crying in H-Mart, and it's a memoir about her losing her mother. Yeah. Um, she, her mother died in 2014, so she's been working on this book for a long time. So um, I do think it's super interesting to have this book that's so heavy about the grief in her life, and then to have this like album that's written about joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's an interesting juxtaposition, but at the same time, like, they're both such great pieces of work. You stole the word I was going to (laughs) use. Oh, juxtaposition?
1: (laughs) Yeah. One of the biggest words I know how to actually use correctly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, a beautiful album. Uh, Be Sweet, you have, is one of your favorite songs on it, and it's also Mm -hmm. one of my favorite songs. Um, And then uh,
0: Paprika's been my big one. Paprika? (laughs) Paprika. (laughs) It's been, uh, I've been listening to it a lot these last few weeks, so... Um, also in Japanese breakfast news, she just announced that all of her shows on her tour are going to require vaccination and wearing masks at the show. So that's, okay. she's one of the first artists to be going on tour this fall to make that announcement. So that's kind of good and exciting news to see. Yeah, for sure. I've been, Um, I've been excited to see like venues that are announcing that. Same. Oh my God. Same. I keep sharing them to my personal Instagram. (laughs) um the next album i want to talk about came out well i guess i should have said the first album came out on june 4th the second album also came out on june 4th and it's the new album from wolf alice and it's called blue weekend so i thought this album was absolutely fantastic i've heard some of their music like years ago but this this album completely turned me back on to their music um, I think their harmonies in their music are so interesting sounding and the way that their singer uses her vocals in different ways and the way they like blend it mm-hmm. with the music. I think it's just so interesting to listen to.
1: I have two comments here. I agree. Uh, they always popped up on like indie alt playlists, mm-hmm. that, but I've never listened to anything of theirs like fully through. Yeah. Um, I have this album on my short list of like top 10 albums for 2020, yeah, same 2021. Sorry. Um, and I actually want to call you out because you never give two tens on the same day and Jay Brecky got one and this one didn't. And I feel like if you had listened to it on different, different days, I did um, listen
0: to it on different days. If you look at my dates, I did listen oh, to okay. it on different days. Okay. Well, never mind, Then I won't call you um, out on that. I, um, looking back. Like when I first heard it, I like didn't think much of it. But then I bought the physical copy of it, and I listened to it so much. Like I, I actually, I would like to change my initial original, original ranking. I would give this a perfect ten. Okay. Um.
1: So because now you didn't I've say this, but so Japanese breakfast got ten out of ten. Stephanie. Oh, I
0: said that first. Did you?
1: Okay. Yeah, I said and it then You gave I said this one the a nine, but you would give it a ten.
0: I would give it a ten now that I've bought compared to my original listen. To the amount that I've listened to it lately, mm-hmm. especially having the physical copy of it, I would give it a ten. Okay. Um, the next one actually is very funny because I didn't want to like it because I <laughs> didn't want to pre-order it because I have too many albums on pre-order um it's the newest album from king gizzard and the lizard wizard it's called butterfly 3000 it's really Um, funny
1: so they announced this a couple months ago and they did not leading up to it they were like we're not dropping any singles singles. we're just releasing the whole thing and you can like order it the day of and stephanie was like i am not pre-ordering an album i've never (laughs) listened to i have (laughs) too many
0: albums on order i don't have i'm running out of room for physical albums i can't do it and then the day the album dropped i was like but well this album the day the album
1: so dropped good. too we listened to it on bandcamp because it wasn't oh, that's on right it was on Spotify. and it's it it's fuck it's one of my favorites of theirs it's so good
0: it's this album is such like the it was released right at the perfect time too so it was released on June 11th and I was yep. like damn this is the album for the summer
1: it is the album for the summer I um it's interesting the songs that you picked as your favorites I listen to yours like almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorites are Interior People.
0: That's a good one, too.
1: Um, and Blue Morpho. But it's funny because we were talking about this album, like, all of us throughout the day.
0: Yeah, like, our entire friend group, I feel like, was, tr- it's like, arguing over the album. <laughs> and, like, what, do we, do we buy it? Do we not? No, what I don't do think do? it was a
1: not buy for me. I was definitely going to buy it because Matt was going to buy it. Oh. Okay. Um, so we were definitely getting it. Because at this point, Matt just buys like every King Gizzard album that comes out for That's like fair. a collection. Because he has pretty much everyone. And the same with Brian. Brian does that yeah. too. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. And they did something really cool. All of the albums are like red, yellow, or blue. You don't know which one you're, what color you're getting. Like it's like oh, a, you I get what forgot you get. about
0: that. I don't. And
1: know you what didn't we're getting... order by variation of color for the album. You ordered by like what language it was printed in um and the which one did ones, you end up buying um i think i got like the turkish one or something i really wanted to get it in hindi but it sold out yeah and then i mean there was some issues with the websites like there always are so things yeah. sold out very quickly
0: yeah um i just got the english version but our friend brian former guest brian i think got japanese i think he did but, as well
1: yeah yeah. i was my first choice was hindi and then i wanted to get spanish because um, all of the language changes, and mm-hmm. so anything like in non-Roman um, or non I think Roman Latin, I don't know what like the type of letters we use is called, um, sold out pretty much immediately. So like the Thai, the Hindi. oh yeah, um, I know that all saying. sold out like super quickly. The Philipp I think there was a the Tagalog one. Um, that sold out super quickly.
0: Um, so the next one also came out the same day.
1: Also, that one got a 10 out of 10.
0: Oh, yeah, I should have said that. I gave it a 10 out of 10. So the next album came out that same day, so June 11th. Um, it's the newest album from Islands. So if you're like me and you're an early 2000s indie rock fanatic, you are very familiar with Islands. Um, their new island, or their new al- island, <laughs> their new, the new island. Um, It's like Eastlomania, um... I haven't listened to this band in a very long time. And then all of a sudden this album came out and I turned back into my early 2000s indie rock obsessed fanatic person. (laughs) Um, This album was absolutely fantastic. It's got a lot of modern elements to it, even though it still sounds like this early 2000s band.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm very excited. They actually are playing... A festival that we're hoping we get to attend next year uh just like heaven out in the la area mm-hmm. islands is gonna on the lineup so yeah. hopefully we get that's to go like to that. the indie the early 2000s indie dream lineup too oh i know so um, of course islands is out there but yeah. i'm very excited this album was great i gave it a perfect 10 and to know and then, you gave two
1: tens on the same day
0: yeah i did um, the last one I'm going to talk about um, is another one that I had a specific rating of when I first listened to it, but I've since changed my ratings. So this came out on June 25th, and it's the new album from Tyler, the creator, who is a longtime favorite of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, his He's new a album is darling. He's also a Lollapalooza darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, this new album is called Call Me If You Get Lost. Um, originally, I gave it an 8 out of 10. So I, and my notes say, I probably just need to listen to this again before I really get the gravity of this album. (laughs) Um, It's a little bit more mellow, especially if you look back in comparison to Igor. Um, And it's just a little bit of a different tone for him, but... I I've really come to this album's really grown on me and I've really come to love it. Um, especially after seeing some of these songs performed live when I was at Lollapalooza this last weekend. Um, it's, it's really kind of changed my view on the album and I actually think it's a, it's a great album. Um, I'm going to buy tickets to go. Well, I'm hoping I can buy tickets to go see him when he tours his arena tour next spring. Um, but um, I originally gave this an eight, but I am changing my ranking to a nine.
1: Okay. I feel like looking at your list, um,
0: and there also was like a lot that to... came out in June. Yeah, June a a had a lot that came out really in June.
1: A lot of really good stuff and a lot of like mediocre, okay stuff. Um, yeah. But like a lot, a lot of it was either like really good or it was like not good, not
0: great. Yeah. Yeah, there was quite a few other albums that I gave really high rankings in June. Um, it was a good month for music.
1: Yeah. Cool. So with that being said, let's get into the beer. Stephanie,
0: yeah. what are you drinking? I am drinking today a beer from... Uh... So these guys used to be an incubator out of Pilot Projects, you know, right when they first opened. Um they're called Junior Ferment uh, Artisan Beer Project. They uh if you're a beer if you, well, if you're a pilot project nerd like we are, <laughs> um, they used to be called tethered vines back mm-hmm. when they first were on draft at Pilot. So their whole concept is that they are a beer wine hybrid. So what they do is they take a traditional beer style and they co ferment it with wine grapes. So that's how they get that, you know hybrid-esque flavor. So this one is called Hazy Blanc. It's a double IPA with Sauvignon Blanc grape juice, um, Phantasm powder, which is like a something from New Zealand. It's coming up in beer. I'm not really I've quite sure. I've been seeing that, yeah. It's, um, they call it just New Zealand Phantasm powder. I don't really know what it is, but it's something that's going in beer right now um it's also got um Nelson no that was Nelson? Not, came out wrong <laughs> Nelson um hops in it and citra hops so it's meant to be like a hazier flavor with that like sour wine flavor so i believe a version of this back in the day was on draft at pilot back when they were still brewing out of there one of the original versions so these guys are actually going to be opening their own tap room here in chicago hopefully here in the near future um they've got a space so mm-hmm. they should be doing that soon so yeah i've yeah, got I think this something else that they do that's cool to know is they have a second brand called modern dune oh yeah so it's if you think Uh, we've talked about it in the past with some breweries that have multiple brands under their names, like Unani Mm -hmm. and Hubbard's cave is a great example. It's two brands brewing under the same roof owned by the same people. So modern, very different
1: ideas. Yeah. So,
0: uh, modern Dune, um, is their IPA more hop forward brand.
1: Yeah. Cool. So I am drinking, um, a beer called apical dominance. This is from Russian river. Um, their website calls it a Hoppy Blonde Ale, but Untapped calls it an India Pale Lager. Um, so, not 100% sure which one it is. Um, and the details under both are the same, except for one says Hoppy Blonde, hoppy blonde Ale like in the actual paragraph Mm -hmm. and on untapped it says india pale lager so i am assuming that there's the same thing at this point um but it has um, an experimental hop hbc 692 um and i hope that one gets a
0: fun name eventually
1: it's been used a lot and they uh it says that like this the owners of russian rivers favorite um currently This also has Citra, Crystal, and Comet Hops. Um, So, yeah, it's from Russian River, as I mentioned, um, and it's only available at their brew pubs, so the Windsor and Santa Rosa location. Um, And it was a limited release, so I was able to pick some up um, during our trip out there.
0: All right, so let's talk a little bit flavor. So my beer being a double IPA, is a little bit heavier mouthfeel. Um, It's very dry, and you do kind of get that white wine dryness from it, but then you still get the hoppiness and the bitterness of the IPA flavor. And that's one of the things I think that, I mean, I'm really excited to see more of from these guys, and that's what I loved about their beers, you know, back getting them on draft at Pilot Project. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool blend of, like, because, you know, traditionally you get the sweet wine, you get the dry wine, you get the bitter wine, and then they comp- they blend that with different beer styles, and it creates this really interesting experience drinking it, where it's still, it's very dry, but then you still get, like, the hoppy and, like, a little bit of the sweetness and the hops.
1: Yeah, this one that I'm having is extremely light, uh, so you get a lot of, like, the blonde slash lager flavor that's coming through. Um, I think, I think it tastes more like a blonde than a lager, Mm -hmm. um, but it's so light and floral, like the floral from the hoppiness is really coming through, but with like almost no bitterness. So it's like a very refreshing, um, really like floral, like citrusy, um, beer. So if you were to take like an IPA and just tone down everything about it, except for like the floral notes. That sounds interesting. It's a really, really delicious beer.
0: Yeah, this is also fantastic. I actually picked this up at Beer Temple a few weeks ago, and it's just kind of been chilling in my fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant Wasn't to that bring that. The one some... that Ryan was like really excited that you picked up. Um, that was a different one. Oh, okay. um, that was a different junior beer that I still have some up in my fridge. That was the sour white wine blend. Okay. Um, but I've had this in my fridge for a few weeks, and I this is my first time trying it, so I'm actually very, very excited about this. Yeah,
1: I bet. I try to stay away from theirs just because. of, don't know how the wine part of it's gonna go well yeah but also i mean it's, and they always it's... sound very interesting and i always yeah. want to try them um and it's like a challenge to not take the chance
0: yeah i hear you i hear you all right so do you want me to go first with my three words or do you want to go yes. first? yes uh yeah you go first okay so i mean these were all words i used in my description but these are the ones that i mean definitely stick out flavor wise to me the most so again it's very dry It's hoppy, and I have a hard time picking between hazy and bitter, because it is a hazy beer and Mm -hmm. it's got, um, but it does have a good amount of bitterness. So I'm gonna say hazy, dry, and hoppy.
1: Okay, I'm gonna go with mellow, refreshing, and floral. Um, Like it's it's so hard to describe, but it's like everything that you expect from Pliny the Elder in mm-hmm. a different way it's just such a clean like direct flavor like no um no over complications it's just like it is what it is and it's like done so well and it's it it should it feel like being a hoppy blonde ale it should feel complicated and yeah, it's, I hear you. it's not at all it's got exactly the flavor that you would expect from that
0: yeah, this is a really interesting and complex beer. I like it a lot.
1: Not to say that, so, not to say this isn't, like, complex. It's just, like, it's kind of what you expect from Russian River. Like, right. in a no, good I way. I hear what you're saying. In a yeah. good way.
0: Russian River does everything very well. I have not had a bad Russian River beer. Exactly. And I had, like, a flight there, and they were all very good. Right. So, uh, with that, mm-hmm. um, let's get into the topic so this is one we've actually been working on this on the side for like several months now (laughs) like a while yeah this has been a long time coming um and we we i know we
1: seem like we don't put a lot of work into episodes but like sometimes we put a lot lot of work work. into. there's one that we spent like a year working on with our um the feelies playlist
0: oh yeah that was Um, a long time building this is
1: also like a not just a long time coming but a lot of work that we've been doing in like the background enjoyable work but a lot of work that we've been doing to get this ready
0: yeah so um we also timed this i mean the most appropriately that we could you know knowing that we needed a week off um we're gonna talk about the marvel cinematic universe today (laughs) it's um, like such
1: a daunting topic too. i know
0: it like stresses me out like saying that we're talking about <laughs> this because i've been putting so much work into this that it's like oh my god like we're doing it we're doing yeah. the thing
1: well we started <laughs> in march i think like literally in it march. was
0: like in the spring yeah yeah so um what we're going to be focusing on obviously yes we are aware marvel has comics We know a little bit about the comics, but we're going to try and focus as much as possible specifically on the MCU as a film, as television world. Yes, there may be some comparison that we bring up with the comics, but honestly, I feel like it's going to be pretty minimal because again, we're trying to keep it. This is already so much possible. (laughs) It's already a lot to talk about. So, like the fact we're going to try and pare it down the best we can yeah agreed um so actually the history I think to me was really interesting trying of course you know I do the history bit here um so Marvel Entertainment started producing their own films with a partnership with Paramount Pictures back in 2005 Mm -hmm. so prior to this there were a few licensing opportunities so think like early X-Men um they did partnerships and licensing With New Line, 20th Century Fox, and Columbia, so that's uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man franchise. That's Blade, original X-Men, Ghost Rider. Shout out to Nick Cage. Um, And this is like the first Daredevil, I think, because this part of
1: what like they were doing later comes to bite them in the ass.
0: Agreed, completely. Yeah.
1: In this MCU verse.
0: Yeah. So Marvel obviously i mean if you i mean we all know marvel almost went bankrupt in the 90s so um this was them doing this marvel entertainment bit was their way to kind of like revitalize themselves for this more modern world so they made these films in partnerships with these giant studios and then um avi arad was the original head of marvel studios meaning like the film studios And then Kevin Feige was like his second in command at the time. And Kevin was actually the one that basically was pushing for the use of some of these other characters from the comic books to be used in films. Because at the time, all of these older characters were licensed to these various studios. And so Kevin was like, why don't we use some of these other characters to create our own films? That, you know, being Iron Man at the time. And then eventually, you know, after seeing the success of Iron Man, he was kind of the one pushing for this full fledged universe, similar to, like, obviously, Stanley and Jack Kirby with their comic books. And he pitched a seven year concept to release standalone films that eventually would turn into the Avengers. Um, Avi wasn't quite on board for all of that at the time because, obviously, like, as a film studio signing up to pitch like seven years of content Mm -hmm. with this much money is like a huge undertaking and And it's like a risky thing because this wasn't really done
1: before like there wasn't a cinematic universe built really for anything
0: at this point no no exactly successful either where like everything was successful exactly so like he uh wasn't quite on board and ended up leaving. Um, which made kevin feige the head of marvel studios right in 2008 which is when iron man was released um avi A- um, avid actually was the producer for all of those early 2000s films so he was for point of context he was the owner of toy biz who is the company that purchased marvel when they were going bankrupt so he has been tied to Marvel for a very long time. So him not being willing to take this bet, like, I completely understand. that. Like, mm-hmm. he took a bet on Marvel, watched them kind of revitalize, and then, like, that was, a, am sure, a huge ask for him yeah. to sign up for that. And then, you know, you kind of look into... The only other historical piece I really have beyond that is really about Iron Man specifically because that's the first, you know? So um, Iron Man specifically, um, in the 1990s, Universal actually got the rights to do an Iron Man movie and there were a ton of production delays, a bunch of issues with directors and scriptwriters, and all of that. And um, actually, this went on until 2004, and the deal fell through, and Marvel got the rights back. Um, Then Marvel actually, through Kevin Feige, announced that Iron Man was going to be their first Marvel Studios film. Um, 30 different screenwriters were approached by the studio, and all of them turned down the job. Because at the time, Iron Man was kind of like a more obscure character. And I know, like, you and I don't really think of Iron Man as an obscure character because we didn't grow up the same way with the comics that a lot of people did. I actually... I would agree with that, though, because I feel like when this movie came out...
1: So I remember The Hulk coming out before Mm -hmm. this. And I was very into, like, X-Men movies. So when... This, when Iron Man was announced, I was like, this is a, I've never even heard of Iron Man. Like, this is a weird one to go with. I remember thinking
0: that. Um, Oh, wow, the turntables have turned. (laughs) No, exactly. So, I know that, like, looking back, we don't think of Iron Man as, like, an obscure character, but to people anymore exactly but to people that grew up with those comics even to like comic book fans iron man was like a tier three hero he wasn't yeah. the captain america he wasn't the spider-man he wasn't the x-men he wasn't the right. fantastic four like he wasn't this big of a character um you'll appreciate this so sam rockwell was originally approached to play Dude, iron sam Man. Dude, sam rockwell's so hot <laughs> but um John Favreau, who is obviously the director of the first Iron Man, actually, all of them. well, yeah, all of them um, at this time being signed on to direct the first one.
1: So he, I love John Favreau, by the way. Um, I do too. He does a lot of really interesting interviews as part of his chef show. Um, and I know what you're about to get into, and this is kind of like precipitating that. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but he talks to RDJ about. Iron Man, um, and, like, what it's become in one of the mm-hmm. episodes of The Chef Show, and you can
0: yeah, explain so the So it's, the other thing is, so, uh, Favreau really thought that, like, the rise and then fall and then, like, the cleaning up of Robert Downey Jr. really fit with the Iron Man character storyline, and Favreau actually approached RDJ to play the character. So Favreau Um,
1: got shot down when he tried. He had to fight for RDJ to be cast. Um, The studios were basically saying no um, to him. They basically they said no. Like that's a terrible idea. And he fought for RDJ and like explained this that like he is Iron Man. Like his entire life story is Iron Man. Mm
0: -hmm. Like obviously
1: without the superpowers, but like this is Iron Man. Um, And they like. Gave, they took a chance on him, gave him like a super low paycheck. So and RDJ took it just as like an like opportunity to like prove himself and get a job. So what's
0: what's really funny is that um, RDJ's contract actually states that he was gonna get a lower salary for the film but he would get a cut of all profits yes jokes on the studio yep. he, Robert Downey Jr. is the highest paid actor in all of these movies because he makes so much goddamn RDJ's money like the third or
1: second highest paid actor in all yeah. of Hollywood of all time yeah um which is insane and I think it's, it's because he because makes his... a cut of every
0: right. profit that has an has Iron Man in the film
1: Right, and he took a very, well, also, like, him taking a low paycheck was his way of saying, like, I will take this job, and I believe that he's talked about how he thought, he knew it was going to be successful, like, he thought it was going to be a really successful movie, and that's where he was going to make his money, but it was the way, and I feel like it was unheard of at that point, really, to take, to make that much money off of box office. Yeah, oh yeah. And he was just taking a chance and, like, really just trying to get a job to prove himself because he could not land acting gigs at this point.
0: Well, yeah, because, again, he had went through such, like, a crazy time in his life yeah. where it basically destroyed him. Yeah. And so I think this... it's really
1: interesting, because, so you have a note that Terrence Howard is Rhodes in this one. I also mm-hmm. forgot that Terrence Howard was Rhodes in the beginning, which I hate. Um, yeah, I hate But it he... There's this whole thing where Terrence Howard's contract was renegotiated after uh, Iron Man 1 um, Mm -hmm. for less money because they needed more money to pay Robert Downey Jr.
0: Yeah. Um, And the reason that actually Terrence Howard um, got so much money in the first one is because he was the first person cast.
1: He was the biggest name in the movie
0: at the time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Joke's on him. Yeah. Uh, Also, I hated him as Rhodes. He's not good as Rhodes. Um, So that was kind of, I think, a good like history of getting into you know the beginning of the MCU. So, what uh, do you remember your first experience watching these movies? The Hulk. The 2003 Edward Norton Hulk. Hulk. It was so bad.
1: (laughs) It was uh, not great. It was yeah. funny because I saw it in theaters. I thought it was terrible. And then it was so Iron slow. Man came out. And I had like, I didn't see, I, I, so I, up until our rewatch, I have not seen Iron Man.
0: What? So I saw Iron Shut Man up. for the first
1: time this year.
0: Oh my God. <laughs>
1: um, it I, I literally was, I had no faith in it. So I was just like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to watch Iron Man. Like, this is going to be just as bad. Um, so, I did not see Iron Man 1, I saw Iron Man 2 for the first time this year. The first Marvel movie I saw in theaters after the Hulk, like, within the new MCU, mm-hmm. um, was Thor, which is post-Disney acquisition. hmm And I also, like, didn't care for Thor, so, like, I saw Thor, did not see Captain America, then saw the Avengers, and then didn't, uh, watch Thor 2, didn't see Captain America 2, the next one I saw in theaters was Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Oh, see, so I had a pretty different experience. So I actually saw um, The the Incredible Hulk as, like, a uh, DVD rental. So, like, we watched it at my parents' house. Like, I didn't see it in theaters. Um, and I probably fell asleep watching it because I literally could not tell so you bad. what happens in that movie. I, I know Edward Norton's in you. it, and that's about all I know.
1: I could not tell you why I went to go see it. I think one of my cousins was like, I want to go see this. Like, let's all go to the movies. And... I don't know. I was as like a teenager. I used to love going to the movies with my cousins because we would sneak into other movies. and it Sure, was just fun. totally. I hear that. Um, <laughs> it was just something to do. It was hot in Florida. It was cold in the theaters. Um, and I don't even. I'm like a, not convinced. And this is like over 15 years ago. So like, don't come for me with statute of limitations. <laughs> I'm not convinced. I paid to go see the Hulk. <laughs> I don't know. I think I was like 12. <laughs> Actually, yeah. let me look that up
0: it came out in 2000 i was 12
1: yeah i was 12 so i'm not convinced i paid
0: yeah um but the first one i saw in theaters actually was the first iron man um i went with my dad um i don't remember really agreeing to go to it because i didn't really care but my dad was like let's just go see this movie and i was like whatever um, cause again, I was a teenager and wanted yeah. nothing to do with my parents. Um, so we went and saw it and I actually loved it. Um, I love that first Iron Man. So of, I think I've seen, except for maybe like two or three, maybe four of these movies, I've seen everything in theaters, like opening weekend.
1: Okay. So up until oh shit actually (laughs) um i think up until guardians of the galaxy 2 i had not seen these like opening weekend or in the theaters um starting with 2 and then like ragnarok and all that Mm -hmm. i started seeing them all in theaters Um, i didn't see ragnarok opening
0: i saw ragnarok in like after theaters yeah we
1: saw that at um Bruin View. Bruin View. And they, like, ruined yeah. <laughs> They ruined it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's weird. Like, I think I really didn't get into Marvel until, like, the MCU, like, as a big, big fanboy, girl, fangirl. Um yeah. Until 2018, 2017.
0: Yeah, and I And it feel took like
1: seeing I... Captain America. It, it took... Seeing how hot Sebastian Stan is <laughs> to, like, get really into it
0: So I always enjoyed the movies, but I would agree that it really took until, like, I was in college to, like, really get into the entire, like, cinematic universe of it all. Because to me, they were kind of just like, okay, they're just more movies, they're more superhero movies, whatever, nothing's that's gonna beat actually, sam Raimi spider-man
1: all right <laughs> that's actually the exact way i thought of it It was like they're superhero movies like they're not any different and to be honest they really weren't any different they for weren't a long any time. different yeah so i hear you guardians of the galaxy i think was the first one that really broke the mold i and think that changed the game i completely did. agree um and i think that like you have a talking point here of like what's funny, what's better, funky and wild movies or dramatic action-packed movies, that was the first one that took on, like, the funky, wild movies. Yeah. And I remember the, like, feedback from that was, like, everyone was like, this is the best Marvel movie to ever come out mm-hmm. at the at the time. Like, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy was everyone's favorite. It was funny. It was quirky. And people loved that, that it wasn't just serious and action-packed. Like, yes, I it agree. had action, yeah. but, like, it was also cut through, cut in, like, with jokes and jokes and jokes. And... I think that proved that the these superhero movies could be more than just superhero movies.
0: No, I, I completely agree with you there. So, I really... As much as I love these early MCU films and some like the epicness behind them, I think the game completely changed with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, when James Gunn came in and he flipped the entire concept of a superhero movie on its head.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And it was the first time that they did that. I mean... To be honest, like Spider Man Two kind of did that, but like not to the level that James Gunn did. Spider Man Two yeah. had like, funny quirky moments in it, mm-hmm. but the entire the entire like basis of Spider or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was that they were gonna like do this differently and bring in a bunch of characters that were like fucking weird characters yeah, exactly. that you had never heard about too. So like. When I first heard people talking about how good Guardians of the Galaxy was, I was like, "Why?" I've never even heard of any of these characters. Oh like, my god! I know the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then you watch it and you're like, "Okay, well, it does that." This was the movie to do with because these are characters that nobody knows about, and you have the opportunity to now make them funny because you have never you have no pre preconceived preconceived, notion preconceived
0: of them. notions. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Um, my gosh, so. So, with that question, though, I mean, like, obviously, there are some very serious MCU films that I think are absolutely fantastic. Um, but I I have a feeling you and I have a similar opinion It's here. the funky and wild. It's the like, funky no and question. wild.
1: Yeah. And, like, after James Gunn broke the mold, he did, like, l- like, during a rewatch, and so we're 30, 40 minutes in, we're just now telling you. We did a rewatch <laughs> <laughs> as part of the preparation for this. For the last couple months, we've watched the entirety of the MCU. We watched the whole um, thing. From start to finish, in order. Um, and, like, looking back, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 still aren't as funny as Thor Ragnarok. Like, Taika Waititi oh, yeah. being involved, um, like, he took Funny and Wild through the roof, made a completely, like, amazing movie. And I prefer that to the dramatic action-packed movies. And I think that the dramatic action-packed movies have a a time and place. Mm -hmm. And, like, I cannot picture them doing something like Ultron in, like, a funny, wild way. But, like, Thor is a character that you can absolutely take
0: and, like, do that with. Yeah, no, I, what's funny is I hated Dark World. Hated I hated it.
1: Dark World, too. So, like, and that was so, the movie to take it with. Because Thor was a character that was, like... Thor 1 was good. Thor 1 was okay. Not bad, but not good. Not amazing.
0: Avengers is better awful. than Thor. Well, Thor and Loki and their interactions in the first Avengers film, I would say, are better than mm-hmm. the first Thor. And then Dark Agreed. World is like, oh, this movie's right. so long. So,
1: like, that was the opportune moment to take that character and give him something. They completely revitalized
0: char- Thor as a character exactly. by bringing Taika in to do that show. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Completely revitalized the Thor franchise by bringing Taika in. And it's like yeah. now my favorite one just because of what Taika's done and what I hope he will be doing in Love and Thunder.
0: Oh, my God. Um, so this, I think, answers one of the other questions is like, who is your favorite director of the Marvel films? And it's Taika Titi. It's Taika Waititi. Um, I do also really obviously like James Gunn.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do love a lot of them. So, like, I love Taika Waititi. I love um, John Favreau, and I love John Favreau in general.
0: Yeah, I think the work John Favreau does beyond the MCU is fantastic. Yeah. Who's and like the Russo
1: brothers? I think did a good job, but if you are gonna make me pick, it's without a question, it's Taika.
0: Oh, it's Taika Waititi. Yeah, there's no question about that. I again, I think you make a really good point, and I really hadn't thought about this before. But he literally that the Thor franchise was dead after Dark yeah. World, and by bringing this weird, quirky New Zealand guy in to yeah. make like a comedy action movie, it completely it was the best franchise. choice they could have made.
1: Yeah, it really revitalized Absolutely. it. And like, I had no interest in seeing Ragnarok. Until oh, I, I saw either. the like, until I saw the preview where it was like the immigrant song, which was a fantastic choice for that preview, and then I still like wasn't I didn't care enough to see it in theaters. I was like, I'll just see it like when it comes out on like Netflix or something. And then it came out in Birmingham, and we we're like, okay, we'll just go drink and get drunk and watch it. And I don't know the it, last
0: time I laughed that painfully
1: oh my god we were dying yeah and they used immigrant song immediately and then again we're like this guy gets it
0: they understand the reference of using the same song twice to do a different thing because it's just like (laughs) they're playing it again oh my god (laughs) and he gets it yeah like taika waititi
1: knows exactly what he's doing yeah (laughs) and it's very evident in ragnarok that he knows exactly what he's doing
0: um so what? let's talk about some of our other favorite movies. Just we can go back okay. towards like, I mean, we've been jumping around. We can go back towards, I think like back to phase one, you know, so that's Iron Man, Iron Man 2, two. Oh, that, I almost said that weird. 2, 2, <laughs> uh, 2, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers.
1: Right. It's all of the movies leading up to the Avengers, like the individual yes. stories, ex- except for Black Widow. Yeah, I have
0: have my own thoughts about that that we'll come back to. All of the men
1: except for Hawkeye, who nobody really cares about, getting their own story. Poor Jeremy Runner. (laughs) Um, my favorite one. God, they're all none of them are really that good, to be honest. Um,
0: I will say during my rewatch, I got hype rewatching the the first Avengers.
1: Well, I'm not including that one. Sorry. Like, the first Avengers is the best one out of all of
0: them. But, like, oh, yeah. the individual stories, none of them are, like, that good in the I in the like watch. Captain America makes me sad when I watch it. But it's, I think, I think it's the best one of I those think Captain America stories. is the
1: best one as well. But that's just because Sebastian Stan is, like, hot and has two arms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> has <laughs> two arms. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... The one thing I will say about some of these early films, um, beyond the fact that uh, I forgot Stanley Tucci is in Captain America, and he's way hotter bald than with fake hair. Um, Stanley Tucci is hot. And yes, I agree. He needs to be bald to be hot. (laughs) I was um, sad when he died. They use... There's a couple of interesting things, I think, in these early films. So they use... um, Like popular music in the Iron Man films. Yeah. Which they don't really do in a lot of some of these other films. They do more like score composition stuff. And like Iron Man was using popular music. They played obviously Sabbath. They played classic, Mm -hmm. other classic rock. And then they played like Daft Punk. Mm hmm. And I thought that was, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's something that I wish was still in the movies more often. And then, um, There's definitely a few times where they're just trying to use famous people in the movie to get, you know, like, recognition. So, like, Gwyneth Paltrow in the Iron Man movies, when her and RDJ do not have any kind of chemistry whatsoever. I have a
1: really good note um, about Iron Man 2. There's a point where... um, I think it's Iron Man 2. Hold on. I'm trying to find my note. Yeah, there's a point where, like... um, No, it's three. Iron Man 3. There is, like, a point where, like, uh, Gwen Paltrow is just in, like, a sports bra, and my one note about that is, how much goop did Pepper have to eat to get into the shape?
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ, Lindsay. Um, I was very proud of that thought. um, But then, like, Natalie Portman, being in the Thor films, she's... She's a great actress, her character is not well written. So like it's very painful. I to think watch that's that. just a statement to the way they wrote women because yeah, it's I the agree. same
1: way with the Black Widow, where she oh, spent yeah. three movies being love interests to each of the Avengers. And then yeah. they're like, Okay, well maybe she's her own character.
0: Yeah. They do but don't they they do took a great job.
1: What, t- ten years to figure that out? Like oh my in God, the first uh, in the first Iron Man movie she's a sort of love interest to um uh iron man to rdj in the avengers she's not even a
0: love interest she's like arm candy
1: right but you know yeah. what i mean like she's not like yeah, a, yeah she's not actually a love interest because it's always pepper but yeah she's yeah. like a potential rival to pepper in that way sure then I in the avengers she's like a or captain america even uh captain america too. she is a potential like theoretical love interest to captain america yeah and then in Avengers 2, it's Bruce Banner. And, like, they just kind of, like, don't know what to do with her because they don't know what to do with female characters. And you can tell that these are, like, movies being written by men. And oh, they just, yeah. like, pass her along as a love interest when, like, arguably she has the most interesting backstory to anybody. I, I
0: would agree. I mean, shit, um, she's a lot more interesting than Hawkeye, so.
1: <laughs> well, Hawkeye also doesn't have a <laughs> zone.
0: Yeah. That's a fair point. <laughs>
1: So that doesn't really say much,
0: um, um, but yeah,
1: such an interesting backstory, and it took ten years to give her a movie. So yeah. like, they, I think it's just an, a testament to the fact that they don't know how to write women. No, and I completely
0: agree. I think that's the been a only huge time struggle. they wrote
1: a woman well was in response to like a competitor writing a woman well.
0: Yeah. So that's... like
1: DC doing a really good Wonder woman movie is when they were like, oh shit, maybe we should take better care of our female characters.
0: Yeah, but then they also DC also fucked Wonder Woman with that second movie. So they did a good job once. No, I know. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, did the only time the that Marvel time. thought that they should, like,
1: give a woman a second thought in their movies was, at, was in response to... Oh, yeah. ...the tons of, like, praise that DC got for their first Wonder Woman movie.
0: One thing I will say that, like, really got me into... Um, The first franchise. Like, yes, I do love Chris Evans. Lesson to Chris Evans. I mean, Chris Evans is like a giant fucking puppy dog. Like, he is. He's like the, he's like legitimately America
1: person. Well,
0: the good America's thing. America's ass America. personified.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love him um, so much. He's a puppy dog. Um, uh...
0: Where were you going with this? Oh, so one of the other things with these early movies is obviously the introduction of the man, Samuel L. Jackson. Nick Fury, I think, is one of the most interesting characters in these early films. He gets less interesting over time, but I honestly I also think, think he adds game, a lot of Samuel comedy Jackson
1: Jackson to it. Was, like, the
0: best choice they could have made. Like, Absolutely. Nobody else should play Nick Fury other than Samuel L. Jackson. So... I may be wrong with this, but I think I've saw I've seen people talk about Nick Fury. I think Nick Fury in the comics is a white man as well. So I think there was an interesting choice to have him come in. I'm looking it up right now. He is a white man. Yeah.
1: But that's interesting because I think that it is acknowledged maybe within like their program that like I mean in general, like as a like pop culture podcast, I think we can acknowledge that Samuel Jackson is just fucking epic.
0: Oh my god, he's amazing everything he does. Nick Furious Can we do a snakes on a plane episode?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but we can only talk about the T V dubbed versions and where they talk about (laughs) Monday to Friday snakes. Um I think as a like pop culture phenomenon, Samuel Jackson is an absolute phenomenon like he is everything does everything is like
0: the action hero right
1: so there is no other person i feel like that could play nick fury other than samuel jackson i I feel like it wasn't even a conscious choice well i I think it wasn't even a conscious choice to cast a black man instead of a white man i think it was like a we have to cast samuel jackson because it shouldn't be anybody else
0: one of the notes I made was that I completely forgot, and it came. It was all over TikTok the last year, was, the council has made his decision. Well, it's a stupid ass decision. Like, <laughs> you forgot the list. <laughs> I can't do the list. Um, but I feel like that, there's a lot of things also from the MCU that have become like TikTok references in the last yeah. year. So <laughs> that's one that always sticks in my head yeah well it's a stupid ass decision yeah i mean i think
1: i think that's interesting to talk about too because they picked a lot of, in a lot of cases they picked exactly who what i would expect them to pe- to pick for yeah. actors like chris evans is like the epitome of captain america like i could not see anybody else doing that
0: well it's really interesting too because you have to remember chris evans was in one of those shitty like new line cinema the he was flame. uh the flaming torch the human whatever, flame, no. the human flame it's the off brand version, <laughs> yeah, he was in the uh fantastic the human four. torch human to- God, <laughs> neither of us are right neither there. of us know what it's called <laughs> that's how bad that character was written that we don't even know what it's called, neither of us are right, <laughs> that's so funny.
1: Um, yeah, no, he was. And maybe he, like, showed that he could do a good job. That movie was terrible, though, so I don't know.
0: Um, Listen, in my I head, think I th- I look at Chris Evans, and I just think of not another teen movie, let's be real.
1: The scene I think it's where- really interesting. I have seen people do, like, the five degrees of whatever, like, connecting, mm-hmm. um, like, Robert Downey Jr. to somebody else in the MCU, but, like, you can't do any MCU movies. Like, I think it was... Oh, I've seen that a
0: lot, actually. I've seen it between Elizabeth Olsen and um, Anthony Mackie, and I've seen it. And you can't use
1: any Marvel movies to connect them. It's just, like, people that they've acted with. And the connections, like, that people have gone through. Like, uh, Chris Evans and um, Scarlett Johansson have been in, like, other movies together. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy how many movies people have been in together.
0: Yeah, I know. The one thing is um that I think's really interesting is when the MCU was kind of starting, it was not so many like these are the biggest names in Hollywood, you know mm-hmm. like they were uh, they were people that had been acting and been in big movies, but they weren't known as like yeah a list celebrities so like Chris Hemsworth was not that famous. Tom Hiddleston was not that famous. Tom Hiddleston
1: was, like, not famous at all, I think.
0: I mean, I think he was in other stuff before then, but... Like, but these were all, like,
1: B-list actors
0: for the most exactly, part. Exactly, that's what i I'm would saying. Agree, so, like... like, Chris Evans, I would agree, is also in that yeah. list of people that well, were, Well, so like... was... Yeah, Chris Evans absolutely was, I would agree. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson arguably
1: also was. She was in a lot of movies, but a lot of them were, like, teen or, like, romance movies. Yeah. Like, also a B-list actor, um ghost
0: world's like one of my favorite movies though so i've known who scarlett johansson is forever i mean i have
1: too because i think we grew up with her but i think it's an mm-hmm. interesting point that like these movies catapulted these people into like huge stardom and you can see that in their contract but also
0: what was uh what was jeremy for? runner in before this oh, i don't I don't, I don't know of him from anything else oh man i feel like I he did not is in another thing be... though I did not mean this to be the Jeremy Renner, the roast of Jeremy See, I, I actually love Hawkeye, but that's because I have so many headcanons
1: about him that aren't real. Listen,
0: that's not fair.
1: I give him the benefit of the doubt because of all the fan fictions I've read that have made him into a better character than the writers of the movies can make him into. Uh,
0: discussion point, now that you bring that up, who's your favorite character to read fan fiction about? Um... I feel like it's a pretty equal tie between Bucky Barnes and
1: uh, Captain America.
0: That's fair. That's fair. That's my
1: go-to. Well, maybe my, my go-to is Bucky Barnes. That's fair. But that sometimes ties into um, a love triangle <laughs> with Captain America.
0: There's a lot of That love typically triangles. turns into a
1: threesome with Captain America.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of threesomes between reader insert slash original character and- Oh, yeah. i've definitely also
1: just straight up read bucky barnes captain america slash so (laughs) not like because it turns me on but because it's like it's so well written sometimes Sometimes it's it's so written, and it's just like a story and like i don't care that i cannot like like i can't put myself into this story it is just a good story (laughs) with two characters that i have had canon are in love
0: Listen, I don't read fan fiction to get turned on. I read it for the good stories. Oh, I do. Also, I, I, also I also read it to have, make my own criticisms of it. <laughs> you know, I have my tropes. I Also, and if you yeah, don't no, do a good I, job writing my trope, I'm not going to be happy. Oh yeah, we send each other terrible fan fictions. But, but no, I, I read that
1: one specifically, like um, Captain America Bucky's like pairings because I truly think that those are like that's that should be Endgame. I don't care about that's fair.
0: Um, any, any other
1: I don't I care about canon I definitely think
0: Bucky is bisexual as well Oh at the minimum um, I I read a lot of Loki I'm not gonna lie I'm very into Tom Hiddleston In general so Listen yeah, Tom I'm, a, I'm is... a Crimson Peak Fanatic so anything he's in I'm all about Tom Hiddleston for me gets the Adam Driver Treatment where I <gasps> oh, I love Adam Driver
1: <laughs> If I get enough TikToks about him I think he's hot All of a sudden See, I love Adam him drive so. I know, and you're the one that's always sending me the yeah. Fix, that the checks fix. out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, I also think that the Loki series made me love Loki more too. I didn't oh, dislike yeah. him. Well, he was also um, I think as by a character, a woman he's one of time. the most complex characters. Oh, I,
0: I so totally I think agree. that's
1: why he's so likable because he's such a complex character.
0: Well, even um, back and he's like, if you, if you go back yeah, to he like can just the,
1: change constantly.
0: Yeah, if you Sorry. go back to like no you're good. If you go back to the original like Thor movies, like Loki was well loved even then. Yeah.
1: And he's, he's the bad guy Right. But like I think part of that is loving the bad guy. People just like in general love to love the bad guy, especially when he's Loki. Um, but I think the progression that Loki has gotten through the different movies. It's it shows just how complex he is because you think that he's going through a Redemption Arc and it's not, and then you think he is and then it's not. And then when he finally does go through a Redemption Arc, he, he dies. dies. Um, and then you have to see like a different version of him go through a de- Redemption Arc. So I think as a character, because he's so complex, like far more complex than any of the other characters, it is so close to like the human condition that it is like
0: easy to relate to him and it's just fun to watch him grow. I find, and maybe it's just because I'm a giant dumbass, but the character I find the most relatable is Scott Lang. I mean, no, I
1: think he actually is the most relatable. (laughs)
0: Because he's just confused by the whole experience. Like, all of these characters... Well, he's also
1: starstruck, and, like, that's how a normal person would be when he's like, Mr. Thor. (laughs) Uh, I think Scott Lang and, uh, like, uh tom holland spider-man are also the most relatable. oh yeah um but like tom holland in like a childish way where like i would be reacting to meeting these people that way um Lang is in like an adult way where like as an adult i would be like (laughs) starstruck
0: yeah i think he's the thing that i find the most relatable is that the whole thing to him is like he's like i didn't sign up for this but apparently i'm part of it now yeah And I'm just doing this thing that's happening, and I don't know what's going on. I have my own life.
1: The Ant Man movies, I think, are surprisingly funny. I didn't, I hadn't seen any of them until this year. I hadn't seen any of them until the rewatch, and I was pleasantly surprised. So Matt was like, "These are actually my favorite. Like, we definitely have to watch them." And we watched them. Actually, we watched both of them uh, the day he got his second COVID shot, so he was like kind of sick. Yeah, and we were just like laying on the couch watching them, and it was before the rewatch. Um, before the official mm-hmm. rewatch started mm-hmm. and it was just like we watched them back to back and they were fantastic way better than i expected
0: them to especially for a character that was like who the fuck cares so i definitely liked the original ant-man more than ant-man and the wasp i would but, agree but um
1: i also but i love evangeline lily and so i was glad I to too. see her get a bigger character
0: no i completely agree with that so i think I think my thing with Ant-Man is that the character and the original storyline were developed by Edgar Wright. So Edgar Wright did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and Baby Driver. So he has a very specific way of writing and developing a character. And he was supposed to be the original director of the film. Okay. So you can kind of see the Edgar Wright influence in the way the character's written. So yeah. that's, that's, I think, why I like the first one so much, because I've seen so many of Edgar Wright's films that I can immediately pick up. And I was like, oh, yes, I know exactly who worked on this, and I can see his influence through it. Also, Luis is the best character, one of the best characters in the entire MCU. Um,
1: speaking of best characters in the MCU, can you give me a top five? Uh, actually, give me your favorite main character, and then give me your favorite secondary.
0: Oh, God. Okay. Um, I, that's hard. My favorite main... A main main... character,
1: let me just clarify, main character has had a movie or a show, or is a main character in, like, an Avengers movie.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's really hard I'm gonna say my favorite main character and it's only because of his standalone film I did not like him in the Captain America films is Black Panther Um, and then my favorite side character is either Luis from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp or, um, oh God, uh, Korg from Ragnarok, which is okay. Taika Waititi. <laughs> okay.
1: So, um, my favorite character, main character is Bucky Barnes. Um, my favorite side characters is either Shuri oh, um, for Black Panther or Korg <laughs> I love Korg. Be...
0: I love Korg. Hi, <laughs> I'm just a pile of rocks. Oh my
1: god, I it's so corg. funny. <laughs> so Matt like didn't like the Ragnarok movies, or he didn't like Ragnarok, and or he told me like when we first started dating he didn't like Ragnarok, and I was like, no, that's bad. That's a bad, that a bad that's opinion. That's a wrong opinion. Um, and then he watched it and was like, oh, actually, I think I've never seen this. So I think he thought he was talking about Dark World.
0: Because oh. he was watching
1: it, he was like, this is so funny. And he, like, his favorite character is Korg. And I was like,
0: of course it
1: is. It's of course 1- it
0: is. Um, I do also like Ned from the Spider-Man yeah. films. He's yeah. a fun one, too. Um, yeah, sure, he's a good one, too. The side the the side characters usually have a lot of fun. I almost
1: think I like the side characters. My favorite side characters, I like more than my favorite main characters.
0: Oh, I would agree. I also really like Yelena. From Black Widow.
1: Oh, I love Yelena. Yeah. I, I thought have, she I agree had was that. a
0: really fun side character as well. <laughs> well,
1: she like made I think my favorite side characters are the ones that like kind of break the mold and oh, yeah. are like one comedic relief, but also like make fun of the main characters for like what they are. I and agree. Yelena did just that. Like she was making fun of um Black Widow
0: mm-hmm. for
1: like everything that she was. <laughs> like my favorite things were her talking about like you're posing, you're a
0: poser. <laughs> Oh my god, the the, the pose thing made She's me Like, why do you do this my... and throw your hair back? <laughs> I lost it. I thought that was so funny. That movie's not a comedy, but, like, some of the The work... movie's also not very good. But, um, I think Yelena completely steals that show. Oh, With agreed. the comedy, because the show I... is so serious.
1: I actually was very disappointed with that movie, to be completely honest. Like, I... For us having waited and have been asking for a Black Widow movie since pretty much the beginning, because mm-hmm. she is the most interesting character, mm-hmm. I was very disappointed in the direction they went. I feel like they did something safe. They could have gone... She has a very interesting backstory, and if they were going to go into her backstory, I think they should have done a better job. It felt yeah, like so agree. formulaic that they were just like, okay, well, we're going to do what, like, what's been like, successful, so we're just going to like make an action movie. And I get that, like, Black Widow is not generally a comedic character, but I think that they just, I think they flopped in trying to, knowing that this was Scarlett Johansson's last movie, I think they flopped in trying to do justice to her character because they were trying to introduce her replacement.
0: Yeah. And they were trying
1: to, like, create a replacement that could rival her instead of giving people, like, doing her character justice when she has done so much for the MCU
0: yeah and i i mean i think a little bit of it is the timing of we've been asking for this movie for a long time the fact that they not only told the story that already happened you know like an in between story well they have to at this point they had to have right. told the story that already happened but Right, but i think but they, I were think do they do that, should have done have this before infinity war
1: for sure. It felt it felt like an afterthought. And yeah, that exactly. was the disappointing thing is that
0: the first time they do
1: a movie for this character who has been for the longest time, like the only main female character, they didn't do enough.
0: Yeah, I agree. They felt like
1: they were doing enough and they didn't. And that just goes to show like that they don't know what they need to be doing for female characters.
0: No, I agree. I mean, yes, I feel like Part of it is they should have not made us. Yes, I understand like COVID. They wanted to make the most money they could. They should have released it online immediately. They waited too long to make this movie. And that's one of my notes I have on it. Well, now it's not relevant. So like if they had done
1: this movie right out of Civil War, not even Civil War, if they had done this movie. So this movie takes place between Civil War and and Infinity War.
0: (laughs) no civil war and infinity war
1: yes they didn't have to do it that way like they could have done a flashback yeah but it shouldn't have come out before endgame before like all of these redemption arcs like it didn't where it came out didn't make sense if they were gonna do a story about the past they should have just done a story like a one-off story about missions that she had done
0: yeah but i instead of talking
1: about what she did between those movies
0: I feel like the way they wrote her character as well, and this is one of the complaints I have about their general writing of women, they wrote her character to be so badass in the beginning where she, oh, I just did not mean to hit that. Um, If you think about her in the first Avengers movie, when she goes to pick up Bruce, like, yep. they have a lot of chemistry together. So oh, they yeah. fucked up not making that a bigger thing originally to the point where, like, we're, like, watching the second Avengers and we're, like, oh, why is she, like, the love interest for Bruce? But, like, they have real good chemistry in they that do. first Avengers. So, like, but that's I think that the our, thing that they fucked up. we like, I not continuing issue, that. I think our issue,
1: though, is the fact that they, like, yes, they have chemistry, but I don't think that I want to see her relegated to in love interest and that's what she was relegated to in Avengers 2 because if you think yeah, but about Avengers it
0: Avengers 2 is bad all around So, but if you
1: think that. about it like arguably she is the most badass Avenger because she is human right? Yeah. and she can do all that she has no superpowers no
0: extra strength but you She's see just a, a lot more of her badass in that first Avengers and then yeah. I feel like it kind of gets played down in the second Avengers to the point where you're right she does kind of in the first one, it's like playful banter where you get like the fun chemistry of like her being this badass super spy, right? And being flirtatious but with this guy. The problem, but then the second one is they tone her down and they tone her down again, and then she dies. Well, the the issue that I have with her is that they just use her as an opportunity
1: for other they characters. She's right. she's fridged, yeah. They use her as an opportunity to build other characters. So when they finally yeah. decided to build her up, because people have been asking, they didn't do a good job. So in Avengers yeah. two, like I agree, like they built her up in Avengers one as like this badass like female spy. And then two, they they instead of build her up, they build up um, Scarlet Witch because they knew what they wanted to do with Scarlet Witch, and because like Scarlet Witch in the comics, like the origin story for the or the source material for Scarlet Witch. Is so strong, yeah, and like creates like this whole thing that they can go with, but like they didn't bother to use any of that for uh for Black Widow when they like if you have a lot of the source source material, there's so much for it, yeah. Yeah. Like she's trained with Bucky Barnes, she has a lot. Like they've had a love interest in the past, Mm -hmm. like they. In the and like I know we said we weren't gonna talk about comics, but just like there's so much opportunity for her to ha- her to have had organic romantic interests if that was where they wanted to take it, with someone that made sense from a storyline perspective. Yeah.
0: Well and, again we said we weren't gonna talk about the comics, but there would be some comparison to some things right. you know, as a came. And from. I just think that they did her dirty.
1: No and I agree. then they tried to make it better and they couldn't. And I think the it was too little, thing, too late. The whole thing that I like struggled with though, too, is in the Black Widow movies, she, like, or sorry, in the Black Widow movie, she like builds this family or she rebuilds her family. And then, like, but they, but in Endgame, she sacrifices herself because Hawkeye has a family and she doesn't.
0: Yeah, I, it but then like she has sense. a family and
1: they go back and they're like, okay, well, actually, she like rebuilt her family and she has Yelena. Um, and like, these these people that she grew up with that she's reconnected with as her family and she has this mission but now she's going to sacrifice herself and Black Widow came out after all of that was already written so they had the op- they, there was it, it just didn't make yeah. it connective it didn't make no, a connection and so like if they were going to do that they, they shouldn't if they are going to give her a movie I think they picked the wrong
0: time period and the wrong subject matter to do it on no I agree so I I think with that I think we've reached a good point to call it a pause for tonight. Yeah. And then we can resume our discussion for episode two. So you're going to have to tune in to our next episode to hear the rest (laughs) of it. Yep. I I would agree. I think that's a good spot. With that, we hope that you enjoyed the episode. I know we enjoyed doing this episode. So please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five-star rating or write us a review. If you're feeling extra saucy, you know. I know I definitely know what it's like to come out from anonymity on the internet. So if you're not feeling saucy, we get it. But please go on your favorite streaming service and give us a five-star <laughs> rating. And um, if you're not comfortable leaving us a review, please interact with us on social media. We, if you talk to us, we'll talk back. So um, We'll hear all of that after the song. Yeah, so stay tuned for the song and listen for the social media plugs. Do I say anything else? <laughs> it's been a while.
1: <laughs> if you can tell, it's been a while. Um, no, I think that's, that's it. Um, All right.
0: So uh, listen to the song, I I don't hear don't the remember. social medias. We'll see you next time.
1: All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured
0: at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. And our Twitter is
1: drunkuncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on
0: Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at lindsaysoldout. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.